0: Chapter Twelve of Quicksand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Quicksand by Nella Larson. Chapter Twelve. Helga Crane felt no regret as the cliff like towers faded. The sight thrilled her as beauty, grandeur of any kind always did, but that was all. The liner drew out from churning slate-colored waters of the river into the open sea. The small seething ripples on the water's surface became little waves. It was evening. In the western sky was a pink and mauve light, which faded gradually into a soft gray-blue obscurity. Leaning against the railing, Helga stared into the approaching night, glad to be at last alone, free of that great superfluity of human beings yellow, brown, and black, which, as the torrid summer burnt to its close, had so oppressed her. No, she hadn't belonged there. Of her attempt to emerge from that inherent aloneness which was part of her very being, only dullness had come—dullness and a great aversion. Almost at once it was time for dinner. Somewhere a bell sounded. She turned and with buoyant steps went down. Already she had begun to feel happier. Just for a moment outside the dining-salon she hesitated, assailed with a tiny uneasiness which passed as quickly as it had come. She entered softly, unobtrusively. And after all she had had her little fear for nothing. The purser, a man grown old in the service of the Scandinavian-American line, remembered her as the little dark girl who had crossed with her mother years ago, and so she must sit at his table. Helga liked that. It put her at her ease, and made her feel important. Everyone was kind in the delightful days which followed, and her first shyness under the politely curious glances of turquoise eyes of her fellow-travellers soon slid from her. The old forgotten Danish of her childhood began to come, awkwardly at first from her lips under their agreeable tutelage. Evidently they were interested, curious, and perhaps a little amused about this negro girl on her way to Denmark alone. Helga was a good sailor, and mostly the weather was lovely with the serene calm of the lingering September summer, under whose sky the sea was smooth like a length of watered silk, unruffled by the stir of any wind. But even the two rough days found her on deck, reveling like a released bird in her returned feeling of happiness and freedom that blessed sense of belonging to herself alone, and not to a race. Again she had put the past behind her, with an ease which astonished even herself. Only the figure of Dr. Anderson obtruded itself with surprising vividness to irk her, because she could get no meaning from that keen sensation of covetous exasperation that had so surprisingly risen within her on the night of the cabaret-party. This question Halga Crane recognized as not entirely new. It was but a revival of the puzzlement experienced when she had fled so abruptly from Naxos, more than a year before. With the recollection of that previous flight and subsequent half-questioning, a dim, disturbing notion came to her. She wasn't—she couldn't be in love with the man. It was a thought too humiliating, and so quickly dismissed. Nonsense! Sheer nonsense! When one is in love one strives to please. Never, she decided, had she made an effort to be pleasing to Dr. Anderson. On the contrary, she had always tried deliberately to irritate him. She was, she told herself, a sentimental fool. Nevertheless the thought of love stayed with her—not prominent, definite, but shadowy, incoherent and in a remote corner of her consciousness lurked the memory of Dr. Anderson's serious smile and gravely musical voice. On the last morning Helga rose at dawn, a dawn outside old Copenhagen. She lay lazily in her long chair, watching the feeble sun creeping over the ship's great green funnels with sickly light, watching the purply-gray sky change to opal, to gold, to pale blue. A few other passengers— also early risen excited by the prospect of renewing old attachments of glad homecomings after long years paced nervously back and forth now at the last moment they were impatient but apprehensive fear too had its place in their rushing emotions impatient helga crane was not but she was apprehensive gradually as the ship drew into the lazier waters of the dock she became prey to sinister fears and memories. A deep pang of misgiving nauseated her at the thought of her aunt's husband, acquired since Helga's childhood visit. Painfully, vividly, she remembered the frightened anger of Uncle Peter's new wife, and looking back at her precipitate departure from America, she was amazed at her own stupidity. She had not even considered the remote possibility that her aunt's husband might be like Mrs. Nilsen. For the first time in nine days she wished herself back in New York—in America. The little gulf of water between the ship and the wharf lessened. The engines had long ago ceased their whirring, and now the buzz of conversation, too, died down. There was a sort of silence. Soon the welcoming crowd on the wharf stood under the shadow of the great sea-monster, their faces turned up to the anxious ones of the passengers, who hung over the railing. Hats were taken off. Handkerchiefs were shaken out and frantically waved—chatter, deafening shouts, a little quiet weeping. Sailors and laborers were yelling and rushing about. Cables were thrown—the gangplank was laid. Silent, unmoving, Helga Crane stood looking intently down into the gesticulating crowd. Was anyone one waving to her? She couldn't tell. She didn't in the least remember her aunt, save as a hazy pretty lady. She smiled a little at the thought that her aunt or any one waiting there in the crowd below would have no difficulty in singling her out. But—had she been met? When she descended the gangplank, she was still uncertain, and was trying to decide on a plan of procedure in the event that she had not. A telegram before she went through the customs? Telephone? A taxi? But again she had all her fears and questionings for nothing. A smart woman in olive green came toward her at once and even in the fervent gladness of her relief helga took in the carelessly trailing purple scarf and correct black hat that completed the perfection of her aunt's costume and had time to feel herself a little shabbily dressed for it was her aunt helga saw that at once the resemblance to her own mother was unmistakable there was the same long nose the same beaming blue eyes the same straying pale brown hair so like sparkling beer and the tall man with the fierce moustache who followed, carrying hat and stick, must be Herdal, Aunt Katrina's husband. How gracious he was in his welcome, and how anxious to air his faulty English, now that her aunt had finished kissing her, and exclaimed in Danish, —Little Helga! Little Helga! Goodness, but how you have grown! Laughter from all three. —Welcome to Denmark! To Copenhagen! "'To our home,' said the new uncle in queer, proud, oratorical English, and to Helga's smiling, grateful, "'Thank you,' he returned, "'Your trunks? Your checks?' also in English, and then lapsed into Danish. "'Where in the world are the fishers? We must hurry the customs.' Almost immediately they were joined by a breathless couple—a young, grey-haired man, and a fair, tiny, doll-like woman. It developed that they had lived in England for some years, and so spoke English—real English—well. They were both breathless—all apologies and explanations. "'So early!' sputtered the man, Herr Fisher. We inquired last night and they said nine. It was only by accident that we called again this morning, to be sure. Well, You can imagine the rush we were in when they said eight. And of course we had trouble in finding a cab. One always does if one is late." All this in Danish. Then to Helga in English. You see, I was especially asked to come because Dahl didn't know if you remembered your Danish, and your uncle's English—well—more laughter. At last, the customs having been hurried and a cab secured, they were off, with much chatter through the toy-like streets, weaving perilously in and out among the swarms of bicycles. It had begun—a new life for Helga Crane. End of chapter 12